Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But we want to say we, we really, truly appreciate the invitation to be here and uh, to minister. And I, I really rather hear anybody preach besides me. We're going to endeavor to do what the Lord has laid on our heart, and uh, I'd just like to say a few things before we get into the message. A lot of people don't know it, but for a year and a half, we we bought some property. It's got two old houses on it, and we've, cause I'm a carpenter by trade, so we've been fixing them up as we had the money, and we're going to have a men's home out there for people who's the devil has messed up their life. And we can help straighten it out, hopefully. Preach to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. I ain't like everybody else. I don't believe too much in science. I don't believe too much in government. I just believe one thing, that Jesus Christ has got the answer. And if we can convince the world of that, but we're living right and doing right, you know something? Things will happen. Things will change. To all of you who have got children who are not saved, I want to say this too because of what the lady said. There's 65 promises in the Word of God concerning the salvation of your children. They run all the way through the New Testament. The only condition is that you be righteous. The promises are made to the children of the righteous. All of my children are saved. I have not a one that's not saved. I didn't say I didn't have any that didn't go out and sin and do wrong and all those kind of things. I had one daughter. She wouldn't mind me saying this. Uh, she works down at the uh, women's home at Bastrop, Louisiana. She'd been down there about, what, five years now, six? She'd been down there. She was... She was 20 years an alcoholic and a dope addict. God keeps his promises. Huh? God keeps his promises. Can I get a real amen now? Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody has got a story like that they can tell nowadays. I tell you what, the churches has kind of decided that maybe we're a little bit defeated. But my Bible says, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we need to understand, we're not the tail, we're the head. So we just need to tighten up our faith a little bit. I, I was thinking as I was driving over here, uh, as you notice, I don't have any notes because <clears throat> I need them, but... Uh, they contain me too much. Uh, thinking coming over here how that the first thing we want to do is we want to make prayer meetings. And I believe in prayer meetings. I believe in prayer. But my Bible teaches me that it takes more than prayer. See, a prayer is request to God for him to do something while we sat on our hineys. Somebody ought to say, amen, you missed it right there. Huh? But you know, prayer is, a, is an expression of your faith. Because when you ask God, you believe that God's going to do those things. You want him to do it. But you forget what the book of James says. It says, faith without works is dead, being alone. So if all you're doing is meeting, y'all know when I say that, it's been, something's to be said ain't nice. I'm not a nice person. I'm not a nice preacher. 
But anyway, if all you're doing is meeting and all you're doing is asking God to do something, your life will be more unfulfilled than it is fulfilled by God. Because God don't leave heaven, come to earth to do things anymore. He empowered you. He empowered the church. He didn't tell Peter and John and Paul and all of them when somebody needs healing, just, you know, uh, I'll come right on down and do it. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm busy, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down there, and he's going to baptize with me, and the power is going to be endued from power on high. And when all those things happen, you'll begin to see things. But you know, some, somewhere or another, we lost the hookup, didn't we? How many of you ever walked down the street and walked by somebody and your shadow caused them to be healed? Proof of the lost connection. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he changes not. You can help people come up to be prayed for for something sick, normal with oil. You know what the Bible says about this is they shall be healed. And we'll find people standing right there in the church. Look at somebody and say, you better get to a doctor with that. Now, I don't think it's a sin to go to a doctor. But I think when we ask God to do something, we ought to do the thing that causes God to know we're acting toward his purpose in our life. When God heals me of something, he's making a testimony. It's not a useless act. It's not something for me, but it's something for the kingdom. Glory to God. Have your Bibles turn with me to the 17th chapter, I believe it is, of the book of 1 Kings. Y'all all know what that story is, don't you? Praise the Lord. I'm going to read a couple of verses in your hearing. Uh, I have to wear these cheater glasses, and I've got something wrong with my eyes, and I can't seem to get them straightened out. But I want to read a couple of verses in your hearing today. Go with the, to uh, chapter 18 first, the 11th, I mean the, man, oh Lord, uh, the 41st verse. We'll fill in the rest of it by the help of the Lord. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Y'all know something? We need some rainmakers in the church. Huh? Praise the Lord. But I'm not going to preach about that today. That's, somebody else can preach on that. Then go with me to the 17th chapter, the 18th chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, and verse 7. This was when Elijah met Obadiah after he had left the widow woman's house. And he answered him, Is it I? It is I. Go tell your master Elijah is here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the blood that we sang about this morning that changed my life completely. I thank you that you've ransomed me, Lord. I thank you that you've set me free. I thank you, Lord, that you called me to preach. For I know that I'm not worthy of you. But you chose me, and I thank you for it. And Heavenly Father, we pray today that out of this lesson, that you cause me to speak only your words to this congregation. And when you're through, prompt me to shut up, that I won't mess it up. And I'll be careful to praise you and to honor you and to glorify you in the loving name of your Son, Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Go over the first, first couple of verses, and I want to just do something here for you where Elijah is first introduced into the scriptures uh, in the 17th chapter. I tell you what, this is a new Bible, and it's not, I got one of them that's got the big print, and I thought it would help, but it don't seem to be helping me a whole lot. And Elijah the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel, 
liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these deeds except at my word. Man, that's something else, isn't it? Huh? Think about that. We, talk, we, we mentioned just a little bit about a lost connection. That lost connection is that we don't really think that we've got what God gives us. How many of you really? If the Lord directed you, said, go to the mayor of Crossing. Tell them that we have revival in Crossing. It ain't going to rain until I say so. Huh? How, how, much of, how many of us are ministers here that's got that kind of faith? Hold your hand up. That's what I thought I'd get. Praise the Lord. Got one over here. Nobody says she'd go. My thought today is, what would you do? What would you endure? And what would you say to bring revival? Because if America don't have revival, we're doomed. Everybody knows it. Even people that don't want to know it, know it. Even people that preach against it don't want to know it. But they know that unless there's a revival or a turnaround, and we go back to 2 Chronicles 7, 14, unless we do those things, we're going to have a collapse in this country. And those of us who are Christians, if the Lord tarries his coming until after that date, we're going to have to endure some things. That may be what it takes is some Elijahs who are able to endure to bring revival to America. One soul is worth every penny that you could invest. One soul is worth anything that you would endure for their salvation. One soul is worth all the persecution that you can think of in your life. Now, if you study about the apostles, they weren't people who were, who were rich. They weren't people who, uh, uh, they were rich one way, but they weren't rich another way. God provided their needs according to his riches in glory. That's what he did. That scripture was penned out of experience by the power of the Holy Ghost. It was put in there. But here Elijah is. He comes in the scene on the scriptures, and he's like this. He's not talked about anywhere else in the Bible until this introduction here. He's never been mentioned one time. Most of us think today that we really don't have what it takes. We really don't have what it takes, we think. And I've done told you you don't have in so many words. Because if you had it, things would be different. I'd have a pile of wheelchairs out behind my church. I'd have a pile of crushers that we'd be using for kindling somewhere. Wouldn't be nobody needing glasses, including me. Because he opens blinded eyes. He made the lame to walk again. He did all those things, and we preach about them, and we talk about them all the time, but we don't see much of it, do we? Is it the preacher's word's not right? Or is it our faith is not right? Or is the preacher not believing what he's asking God for? Where's the problem? We're disconnected somehow or another because we've took the easy way. It wasn't as easy for Elijah. Elijah was a nobody. Most of us feel like that because we are not got notoriety and we're not recognized that there's absolutely very little that we can do. But Elijah answers the call. He's from Tish. You know what? How many of you know about Tish? There was no school of prophets there. There was nobody teaching the ministry. It was a little village about the size of Fountain Hill if it was that big. Just a small number of people lived there. And he was, a, he was of the providence, I would say, of Gilead. They're the ones that stayed on the other side of Jordan. Tish was on the other side of Jordan from most of Israel, where the half-tribe of Manasseh stayed. But here he is. 
He's a nobody. He's nothing. And he sent to give a dismal weather report to the king. Now, Ahab's one of the most wicked kings that ever was in Israel, whether you know that or not. But God chooses to send a man with no education. Somebody ought to say amen. No notoriety. Nobody should even hear him. He's got no money. He's got no place of residence probably to mount anything. And God chooses him to go tell Ahab that it's not going to rain unless he says so. Most of us would say, Lord, listen to me now. You need to hear me. I ain't got me no education, so I don't know how to talk to no king. That'd be our first excuse, wouldn't it? And I don't have the right kind of clothes to present myself to a king. Most of the time, Elijah, when you hear preference of his clothes, he was dressed in camel hair in the Bible. I'm sure he wasn't a pretty sight. And then as you get into it and get to thinking about him, he's assigned this. And what could prompt this man to go and do what God would tell him to do? He probably said, I'm going to be, they're going to kill me when I get there if I say what you want to say, God. You know, a lot of times we won't talk to people about God because we're afraid that we might meet a devil who don't like us. Hmm? Oh, it's easy to witness to somebody that you've seen in church. Listen, I had some people one time that they met me in Walmart. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to tell this right here because we're talking about being bold, obeying God to the letter without altering it any. Y'all know whenever you go do part of what God told you, you didn't do anything God told you. Because a little leaven leveleth the whole lump. So anyway, I'm in Walmart. This man and woman stops me in the aisle and says, I was talking to him and she was telling me about her problem with diabetes and what it was doing. She had big old sores on her legs and all this stuff. And she said, I would appreciate it if you would pray for us. I said, okay. And I just started praying right there. Loud as I'm talking now. We didn't have no disturbance down that aisle while the prayer was going on. Huh? Not bragging on me, I'm bragging on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants a church that's bold enough to exercise the things of the gospel in public again. It's easy to be spiritual in here. Get out where the devil operates and find out. When I got through praying, she said, I didn't really mean for you to pray now. I said, sis, I had to pray now because the way I am, I might have forgot it. A few days later, her legs was cleared up and healed up, and they started coming to church. They're up in Hot Springs right now. Are you listening to me? If we'll do what God says, we might find out that we're still the church. We'll find out that he'll give us provision for the things that he wants us to do. And he's never left me with not enough. Anyway, I'm going to tell you all something. Elijah's bashful. He's not ready to go do this. But he says, okay, Lord, you said I'm going to do it, so I'm going to go do it. So he goes down there. I can see him. Somebody comes to the door because the kings don't answer their door. He comes to the door, you know what? He says, I got a message for Ahab. Who are you? I'm Elijah. Where are you from? I'm from Tish. King ain't going to talk to you, boy. You need to get on out of here. I got a message that he's got to hear. It's from God. You go back there and tell him, I said it ain't going to rain no more till I say so. That probably brought Ahab up there. I'll go show him something. Who does he think he is? I'm Ahab, king of Israel. Ahab walks up there and Elijah looks at him and says, hmm, he ain't so much. Every now and then you need to look at the devil and tell him, hmm, you ain't so much. You ain't anything. I got power over you. I've been made a king and a priest. 
That's what you are. So Ahab takes the message. The Lord says, Elijah, I need you to get down to the brook Cherith and hide yourself there. Why did, why did God tell him to go hide? Because every now and then it takes a while for the things of God to begin to take place. God's fixing to bring Israel to its knees. They have been, almost all of them, have been worshiping Baal. Did you know what? I'm, I got to say this. We got more people in church that can't quote the Bible right at all. But they can tell you everything about a football game statistic. Where's your heart at? Somebody ought to help me preach a little bit. I might get unloosed because, hey, are you, I mean, they know all about that. Can't quote John 3.17. I didn't say everybody can quote John 3.16. A lot of them miss 3.17. Huh? Tell you all about their favorite show on TV. Tell you what's going on on Facebook. They got all of that stuff going on, but they can't even hardly quote the Bible. Do you know the strength of the Christian is knowing what the Word of God says? Not guessing at it, but knowing what it says. Because our faith, faith comes by what? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That don't mean I have to be screaming it at you. That means you need to get your nose in it and start studying it and start reading it and then let the Holy Ghost interpret it for you. Elijah's down at the brook Cherith, but now he's sitting there. Raven's coming in in the morning, drinking out of the brook. Everything's looking good, but you got to remember the land's drying up because it ain't no dew and it ain't no rain. He sits there a while, starting out to brush back the wiggle tables to get a drink of water, you know. The ravens are still bringing meat, and then all of a sudden, God talks to him. Some of us, you know what? We hear from God ten times a day. I don't know if he talks that much to us or not. One place in the Word of God, he Spoke to Abraham, then spoke again to him in 14 years. There's people all the time saying what God says. If God says it, it'll work. If, he, if it's just you talking, it's probably going to be a dismal failure. Why would God leave Elijah there and allow his provision to dry up? Because to get to revival, there's steps that have to be taken. Number one, you've got to obey God literally. If God tells you to quit your illustrious job at the paper mill and move to Hamburg and start handing out gospel tracts, if you do anything else, you can't get a blessing. Somebody ought to give me an amen. But if you want to excel, then you go to quit your job, go to Hamburg and start writing gospel tracts and put them out there and it won't be long till God will take care of you. Blessings will begin to flow. Why? Because he promised to take care of those of us who do the work of the Lord, who do the work of the kingdom. We're going to have food to eat. We're going to have supplies for our work. We're going to have shelter for our bodies. That's part of the provision and the things of God. Blessings don't come when you start. That's provision. I like what he had to say this morning. I thought he's getting all over my sermon. But blessings come after. Y'all listening to this now? I've been preaching a long time. Blessings come after. You begin to prove yourself in the work. You're going to sacrifice on the front end. I mean, you're going to have to take a little ridicule. There's going to be people who's going to, who's going to say, Hey, this will never work. When I started working on the men's home, Sometimes it comes from family. My wife said, why do you want to buy them houses? I said, it's part of the vision of God. Okay, what's that? I'm going to have a place for druggies and alcoholics so I can be mean to them, beat them up with the word of God. 
You know why she said that might work then? Huh? No, she's a believer, but we had ridicule. Nobody helped me. I pastored a church not one dime until just a few months ago ever came from that church to help with that project. I've been doing it out of my own as I had it. But here lately, some of the people have been putting in a little bit for that. I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for it. But I, my point is this. On the front end of your vision, on the front end of your obedience, you're going to have to sacrifice. The sacrifices that you give prove your determination and it prove your commitment to God. And after a while, you know what? Instead of being a little bit sold out, you get all the way sold out. I get disappointed in people that God, they say, God sent me to help you. They don't stay no time. God's moving them into another field or another level or something else. And that's, they've missed God. That's not what it is. I get disappointed in people doing that. Because I know God, when he assigns you something, he wants you to complete it. I ain't want to be a quitter. He ain't never quit on you. Nevertheless, you know, he... The sacrifice tells the depth of your commitment. And now I'm sold out to the point. I tell them like this. Well, you go on down the road, brother. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to keep buying boards, and I'm going to keep buying nails, and I'm going to keep nailing together. I'm going to keep doing this till I die. If God don't allow me to finish it, that's his business. But my business is to be working on it. My business is to help. Both watch ministries to become what God showed me he wanted to become. That's my work. That's what I'm supposed to do. Whenever God takes me out of here, I believe he'll have somebody else to take up the deal. Elijah here, although he goes through a lot, he still was able to complete the task that God told him. God didn't fail him one time. It looks like he failed him a little bit down at the brook, but he had a better place for him. He had another place for him. There was somebody else needed some ministering to along the way, and there was nobody down at the brook, and things had got so bad, they was looking for him everywhere in Israel, but it was getting drier, and people didn't have the heart to really face Elijah. Some things had already been established. I remember when Cloverdale Church was in its infancy and my dad was starting it. You know what? I remember people have said to me one, at one time or another in their life, there was one man stopped right in front of the church and said, you see that church sitting there? I said, yeah. I said, I was raised there most of the time. He said, let me tell you something. He said, there was a time if somebody told me that that church was praying for God to take my life, it would have scared me to death. He said, I wouldn't, he said, I'd have got on my, and I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I noticed you said there was a time. What about now? He said, it wouldn't bother me at all. Lost connection. I'm working about three points here. Hang with me. Oh, Elijah, he has to go somewhere else because God's got an extension on the ministry that he's got to do. There's no one down at the brook except him and God. God don't need salvation. He's the giver of it. God don't need to have anything proved to him. He already knows the outcome. Are you listening to me this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying? People want to come to church about once or twice a month and then they expect God to do something. That's the way I am. Don't mean a thing to God. Don't mean nothing to God. For you to be here. People, people quit church to go deer hunting. My son is supposed to be holy. This is our Sabbath. The law of the Sabbath hadn't changed. It was just fulfilled with Jesus Christ. Every law that you quote in the Old Testament is fulfilled with Jesus Christ. Elijah says, okay, God, the book's dried up. The ravens ain't coming like they're supposed to. What am I, what am I going to do? He says, I want you to go over to Zarephath because I have found a widow woman over there that I have commanded to sustain you. 
every now and then we need to think about what the scripture says because you know what? There's a good message in there. Being in the place of commanded blessing. God said, I've commanded her to take care of you. He's traveling over there and Ahab's hunting. He's probably most wanted in all of Israel by that time. He's getting on the way over there. You know what? As he gets along the way, all of a sudden, he sees this lady out there and she's trying to start a fire. He says, hey, lady says, how about bringing me a cruise of water? And why are you going to get me some water? He said, would you, would you, would you uh, make me a little cake? Y'all know her answer. Listen, I don't have enough to even feed me and my children. All it's going to take is two sticks for me to cook this. And when I get the two sticks done and we eat this, we're going to die. What did Elijah say? He said, you ain't going to die if you do what I say. Huh? See, I don't worry about if things collapse as much as people think I do. I say a lot about it because I want people to be warned because I love them, care for them. But here's the deal. Whether people believe it or not, God can take two sticks and a coffee cup full of flour and a tablespoon full of meal and he can feed your family through the whole thing. But you're going to be obeying him. And you're going to be doing his work. That you say, I ain't called to do anything. You need to read your Bible. You, everybody that goes into the kingdom of God got a calling on their life. Everybody's got a job. He couldn't have told you that if you're slothful, you ain't going to make it nowhere if you didn't have a job to do. He'd have been a liar, wouldn't he? Huh? But y'all know the story and the account of the lady... Not only was they having to eat bread and water every day, three times a day. Boy, man, think about this. Oh, Lord. Nothing but bread. Man, what I'd give for a hamburger patty to go on this bread. Huh? Y'all know how we are. We, we, we get dissatisfied real easy, don't we? But I'll tell you what, the provision of God will bring joy to your heart. It'll put meat on your body, and it'll put something in your soul that can't be washed away. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. We have people backsliding, leaving the church. All kinds of things are going on, but the faithful are going to get the reward. Oh, Elijah, he's there, and one day the widow woman comes to him and said, you sorry piece of trash? I'm doing my own translation here, okay? So my son has died. What, what, what do you mean? You're supposed to be a man of God and that happens under my roof? Now I don't have a son? I guess you wanted to have a little more bread, huh? Elijah takes the child. Y'all know he raises him from the dead. Listen to this testimony. This lady has been living two and a half years approximately with the provision that Elijah has brought to her house by the word of God. But yet she's ready to cast it all down because she's disappointed. She hadn't learned anything about God hardly while they're there and being, and had been going through this deal. But after the child is raised, she says to Elijah, I know now that you're a man of God. And by this, I know that the word that's in your mouth is the word of God. All of a sudden, she was convinced 100% to, believe, to be a believer. God help us today to create in somebody's heart to be a real believer. Because if you're not willing to endear the brook, and if you're not willing to go two years on bread and water, if that's what it takes, if you're not willing to do the things that Elijah, there'll never be enough power in your life to change anybody else's life. If you want to see revival, you're going to have to make the sacrifices that it takes to bring one. It's not coming because you said a 10-minute Morse code prayer. As I call them, can't you know people? These new style churches, and I'm old school, y'all. You come to my church, find me in my office praying. You can hear me pray time you get in the front door. I remember, I remember when they used to have prayer along when we have church in church. 
I remember over at Cloverdale how on Sunday afternoon the men go down on the, on the east side of the church in the woods and women go on the west side. They'd pray for an hour full church. You could, some of them old guys could pray so loud, they'd shake the acorns off the tree. They'd get up and come to church. they walk in the church door, you know what? they walk straight to the altar and pray another 30 minutes. After a while, somebody get on the piano and start playing. We get up and have song service. That last four, five, ten songs. Yeah, I was, I'm talking about they had five verses. They sung all five verses. You know? And then they'd take prayer requests and go back to the altar for another 30 minutes. Then the preacher would preach. And after he preached, they'd have another 30, 40 minutes time in the altar. But I'll tell you what they could do. They could do things like I've experienced in my life. When I was three years old, they brought me home from the hospital to die because I had rheumatic fever and they couldn't cure it. My mama laid me on the couch and held down and said, God, this is my son. I give him to you. You do what you want to with him. Boy, but I would love for you to leave him around that he could do what you have called him to do and put in his heart to do. I got all right. You can see that, huh? When I was 38 years old, I had a bad heart attack for no reason. The doctors told me I'd never work again, that you're going to have to live like a, in a rocking chair. Just a quiet life. I stayed off of work for a year, went back to work, work all the time, don't take any medicine for my heart, and all of that stuff. You know why? Because when I went back for my checkup, my doctor couldn't even tell I'd had a heart attack. But the day I was having it, my mama came in the room there where I was at. They was in Little Rock visiting my older brother. And they, the day I had that, and she come in there, my dad was tore all to pieces when he come in because I wasn't ready to go. I wasn't a Christian. But you know what? My mind walked up there. She didn't shed a tear. She didn't say, son, you're in a bad way. You better get saved. She didn't say any of that. She just looked at me and said, I'll be praying for you, boy. Walked out the door. I had a blood clot stopped up my bottom valve. They couldn't knock me out with morphine. I don't know why, but I'm watching that thing over there. And the doctor said, we're going to have to go ahead and do so-and-so. And I said, well, go ahead if you have to. About that time, that thing just disappeared. They saw it, and they said, they said, how do you feel? I said, I feel fine. I'm ready to go to the house. Of course, they didn't want me to do that. But nevertheless, that was their testimony. But God had another testimony. God had another purpose. God had another thing. God had a greater plan. When Elijah went to the widow woman's house, it wasn't for the sustaining God could have kept the water flowing in the brook. <coughs> it was to do the work to convince somebody that God was God in Israel. How many of you know that there's power in two? You see, Elijah didn't just leave the widow woman's house. If you read on it, it says, after many days. The Lord told him to go show himself to Ahab. Those many days, guess what her and Elijah was doing? They was coming together in faith for revival for Israel. Everybody says one man couldn't bring revival to America. Oh, yes, they could. If they'd get to be the right man. If we'd get to be the right kind of church. If we'd be the kind of people that don't care about dinner and don't care about this. And, don't, and we'd just pray and talk to God and then get up and go obey. Sister Angie talks about taking crossing. Listen, the way you're going to take crossing is get out there on the streets and do like Elijah. Y'all know the story or the account how that after he left there, I read the verse of Scripture, he runs into Obadiah. Obadiah was considered to be a man of God. He took care of the prophets of Israel and hid 50 of them and fed them bread and water all that time and he did all those things. And whenever he saw Elijah, man, his heart was filled with fear. Ain't nobody seen Elijah except the widow woman and her son. Everybody else is hunting for him. Ahab wants him out of the way. Isn't it great when God hides you from the enemy? Isn't it great when God just makes you obscure to the eyes of the enemy? 
But whenever Ahab's servant Obadiah saw me, he said, Is that you, Elijah? He said, It is me. I want you to go tell Ahab, your master, that Elijah is here. Every now and then, Sister Ann, you need to get up and say, Elijah is here. The key, the instrument that God's using to turn things around, turn people back to God. Every preacher in this place, every one of us needs the anointing of Elijah as we go out on the job. People feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. As you talk to people on the job, they begin to know that you're an instrument of truth. They need to see somebody that's endeared the afflictions of the flesh just so that they can have a testimony. I did this and I did that and God brought me through all of it. And I'm here today to tell you that things are fixing to change. Huh? Things are going to change in the church world. It's coming. I can feel it. We've been going through a long dry spell. Oh, Elijah gets down. He says, when Ahab shows up, he says, Ahab, says, go gather all of Israel together and bring them to Mount Carmel. He's commanding the king. The king says, okay. The king's found him. He's, just a day or two, he's wanting to kill him. He's taking an oath against other countries that he thinks hiding him when he can't find him there. He tells him, I'm going to come back with my armies, and if he's here, we're going to destroy every one of you. He rides up on his horse to Elijah in his chariot, and Elijah says, go gather all of Israel, old buddy. He says, okay, I'm going to go get them. They all gather at Mount Carmel. And there's a challenge put forth. How, how long has it been since you challenged somebody with the gospel? Hmm? Like I said, it's easy to meet and have prayer meetings and all that stuff. The gospel don't need to be preached in the churches. It needs to be preached on the streets. They, uh, Elijah, they go to get him. He gets there to Mount Carmel. He challenges the people. He says, let the God that answers with fire be God. Our pulpits are dry because there's no fire. People say that's why we can't have revival. No. A dry preacher ain't got much to do with it, as everybody thinks. I'm going to explain that in a little bit if I don't forget it. But you know something? He makes the challenge, first of all, sin has to be challenged for what it really is. Idolatry has to be challenged for what it really is. Adultery, fornication, and those kind of things have to be challenged. And by who? By the church. There's nothing wrong with telling people what the Bible says. I'm not judging your life, sis, if you've got four or five men living with you. And I tell you, if you don't straighten up and get right with God and get rid of them, you're going to go to hell. That's already been judged. That's the Word of God. The only way you're going to miss hell is if you follow the instructions. You see, the church don't want to preach against sin no more. Let me tell you something. Everybody says preach the love message. I, I, I am preaching a love message. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. Because whenever I tell you the things that will get you to heaven, I'm loving you. Jesus told his disciples, I'm telling you the truth because I love you. Whenever he called Peter a devil, I bet that went over like a lead balloon with Peter, huh? But he told him that because he loved him. Why? Because he wanted him to get into the gates of glory. But preachers who don't challenge you or teach you to challenge other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're leaving something off this battle to revival. It has to be that way. I love my children. But none of them didn't get saved because I loved them. 
they got saved because I told them the truth, as we say. I wouldn't agree with their sins, and I challenged them. You know what? We can all live better than what we think we can. We can all be more righteous than what we believe we can. I ain't got much time for people that say, oh, I'm human, and I got to sin. I like to preach to them people because they don't know nothing about the Bible in my estimation. I'm just talking my estimation. Listen to me. Was Jesus full man or not? He was a full man, wasn't he? He was subject to the same temptations as we are. Huh? But my Bible says he didn't ever sin. So why? Because I'm human, I have to sin. Have to means that you can't help it. It's going to happen. But if you live close enough to God, there's a Holy Ghost that'll warn you before you step off the ladder into sin. There's a Holy Ghost. If you do go ahead and be willful, he'll bring you to the cross so you can be convicted. And there you can get forgiveness again because God is a just God. I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm giving you the hope of Jesus Christ. Elijah wants revival, so he has them all gathered in one place. And as he gathers them in one place and he gets there, the first thing he does is challenge the people. The next thing he does, he builds an altar. The ones that was challenged built their altar and they're calling on Baal. And they call to past noon, they call to the time of the evening sacrifice. And Elijah stood up and said, okay, y'all said y'all's turn. I ain't heard nothing, I ain't seen nothing, your God ain't answered you. He said, plenty of time. We're fitting to call on the only true and living God. And he built that altar like it was supposed to be built, just like the scripture said. He didn't get an extra rock or two. He took 12 stones that hadn't been hewed by hand, and he built that altar. Then he put the wood on it. Then he cut the bullock and put it on there like it's supposed to be. Y'all know there's an order to the altar. First thing, before you need to praise, you need to make up your mind what you're going to put on the altar. Huh? If we're going to have revival, we've got to have people that's willing to put something on the altar. So he gets all that done. Then he says, bring me a couple of barrels of water and let's baptize this thing. Digs a trench around it, puts a couple of barrels. He says, that ain't enough. Go back again. He says, that ain't enough. Go back again. They go back the third time. Pour water on the altar and everything. You know why they did that? Because there's a thing called fake fire in the church. Huh? He had to cut off opportunity for Baal to be getting any credit for what happened on that altar. God was going to answer by fire. The fact that he was willing to make it impossible to burn removed the possibility of doubt in anybody's mind that God had not answered right. So what did he do? He says, okay, y'all get ready. And he prays, I think it's about a 27, I don't forget. But he prays a short prayer. Telling God, hey, it's time for revival. I'm here. I've done what you said. I brought all these people together at the peril of my life. I thank you for what you've done. But we want to see Israel turn back to God today. Huh? How many of you ever pray for God to take some of these politicians out that's against the church? I pray all the time. My church prays. We openly pray for God to remove them from office and put somebody in that wants to see God do his little thing. I love America. I want to see it go on. I love the kingdom of God. I want to see souls saved. I want this to get this thing done so we can go on to heaven. A lot of people don't believe this, but I can tell you, I can tell you exactly when Jesus is going to come. When the last man, whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'm preaching Bible, according to the Scriptures, the last man who has not been saved 
His name is wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life. He is saved. And it's been underlined with blood. Guess what? Ain't no need for the church to be here any longer. And the Lord is going to say, go get my children. God, his poor knowledge, he already knows. They get ready. Other people ain't got nothing out of their God. You know, some of the people in their worship and all the maneuvering and all the things we try to do to manipulate God in churches and everything now, it means absolutely nothing. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contract spirit. We say, well, we don't help. We praise God because we love him. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if all we do is praise and we do no work, we don't have a whole lot to praise for. Come on, brother, help me out a little. Huh? But whenever we're doing and God's pouring it on and God's being God, you know what? We got something every service to get up and brag on God about. Huh? Yeah, we do. We got something to brag on God about. Every time he moves, we got something to praise him about. Israel is backslid. It's bowing at the altar of a pagan god. America is backslid, according to statistics. And most of our people are bowing at the altars of pagan gods. And we act like there's nothing that we can do about it. Church, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It's time that we understood that we can make it rain on America again. I'm talking about a spiritual rain. But first, we've got to get the altar right. If your altar is cold, you need to go back and figure out how to build a fire. Huh? Put the wood in order. Put the meat in order. Put the sacrifice in order. All those things. When he got that altar built and he prayed, you know what? The closest thing to the altar, the only thing at that altar that didn't get burnt was Elijah. Because my Bible says that he drew near the altar. He didn't back up. He drew near and he prayed. And the fire fell from heaven. And it licked up the water. It burnt everything there except Elijah. Y'all know why he didn't burn? Because fire can't burn fire. Ah, oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Fire can't burn fire. You need to understand that. And you know something? The people there fell on their faces and they begin to cry out, God, He is God. God, He is God. God, He is God. God, we talk about praise and worship. Something miraculous. They got down and they begin to praise God. God is God. They didn't recognize Him as God before. But now, He was God one more time in Israel. Oh, Elijah goes up, puts his head down between his knees. I'm almost done. Puts his head down between his knees, and he starts praying. Why? Because God has did everything but one thing. Brought the rain. Told his servants to go out and look toward the sea. See, what they'll come back and tell me what you see. I didn't see nothing. Go again. 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 Well, if you say so, I done been out there six times. You know? Y'all know the devil hinders what God wants to do to make you doubt, so it's all taken away because the Bible says, and the Bible is forever settled in heaven. The Word of God cannot be changed. So what it says is this. It says that if you doubt and waver, that you're a double-minded person, it says let not that person think that they're going to receive anything from God. If the man carrying the message about the rain had convinced Elijah that it wasn't going to rain, it wouldn't have rained. We got too many naysayers. Huh? We got too many people as naysayers about the rain. The revival is representative of the rain. The revival, the, the rain there represents the survival of the whole country. Notice how God ties the physical in with the spiritual there. There's going to be a physical reaction when God does something. Whew, I like that, Lord. Where did that come from? Huh? But the man goes back the seventh time. He comes back and he says, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. 
go tell Ahab to get up and go drink and eat and get ready to get off this mountain because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I'm going to tell you why is that? Because the work is not on the mountaintop. The mountaintop is for rejoicing what God has done. But the work is down in the lowlands where the sinners are bound, where the low places that we don't want to touch and all of that. You know something? If we love God, we're going to love the lost. And if we don't love God, we're going to tell them what they want to hear to make them happy and let them sit on our church pews and die and go to hell. Y'all know something? Sister Angie, she preaches to 10,000 people and none of them make it to heaven. She's a total failure. But if she preaches to 10 or 12 and gets them all saved and they all get to heaven, she's 100% successful. Huh? It ain't about numbers. It ain't about the money. You know what? God will supply everything a church needs. He will. I pastored a church that paid me about $25 a week. Yeah. Had to pay my own utilities on the parsonage. Had two boys that was in wheelchairs. They went on to glory now. I pastored that church for almost five years. You know what? While I was there, I never got hungry. God supplied. They never gave no bunch of money. Do you know what? We decided we need to build a new church. They voted for it 100%. God got out there, and he made the, we had the land. We had the lumber. We had a, we had a guy that I didn't even think could hear from God. Sitting in a men's meeting. He said, Brother Bowler, I'll tell you what we do. He said, I'll see the mayor and somebody up Warren. We'll see if, how many of them old houses we can tear down. And we'll use that lumber to seal it, and then we put the pretty stuff on top of it. I said, sounds like a plan. In one week, God gave us nine houses to tear down. We had lumber piled up everywhere. Got the place where we had land, had timber on it. man come along. I was talking to him. He said, tell you what I'll do, Brother Bowler. He said, I'll, I'll cut the timber, saw it up in dimension stuff, at on halves. I said, okay, it sounds like a plan. But we had one young preacher in the church that wanted to pastor that church. The devil don't always use good people. I mean, bad people. Sometimes he uses people in the church. And I got up that morning, and I said, well, the bank has done, proved everything. I'm going to go sign the papers tomorrow. That was on a Sunday. One of the older gentlemen in the church said, Brother Bowen, we might as well talk about that. A young man got out and told him we was going to be so far in debt that debt would never be paid and blah, blah, blah. Most of them was old folks, and they decided it might be best not to build a new church. I stayed there after that. I was disappointed, but I stayed there after that and pastored until God moved me. But they missed the will of God. I was at a funeral over there about two years ago. There's a lady that was the secretary of the church. She came up to me crying. She said, Brother Bowen, said, when we didn't build that new church down there, I said, you know what? I said, we missed the will of God. I said, you was right and we was all wrong. I said, well, it don't matter now. She said, oh, yes, it does. She said, well, we don't have no place to go to church where we can get good preaching. I said, nothing. I said, all we get. And I said, I have to drive 40 miles one way because they live down in Broad Community on Saline River. She said, we missed the will of God. She said, the whole church, after you left there, realized that we had missed the will of God. But you know what? Once you miss the will of God, God hangs against God over the door he stood. He ain't coming back. You don't want that to happen in your life, in your heart. Ichabod means the party glory. We need the glory of God to shine in the churches again. We need people who can call the fire down from heaven. I said I was going to explain about revival. Until the church realizes that it's not only the preacher that needs to be on fire, but the church needs to learn how to build an altar that they can call the fire down from heaven. There's nothing in the world that will beat an old-fashioned deal where sinners are sitting in the pew and people come down here and begin to pray and the fire of God begin to appear on the altar. There's nothing that'll move people. The sinners, the deepest sinner on the back pews will get up and walk to the altar. You won't have to go drag them. God and the Holy Spirit will bring them to the altar. Because nobody can see the miracle working of God and not be moved by it. 
Nobody can sit in the real presence of Jesus and not be changed by it. They will either get better or they'll leave and walk deeper in sin than they've ever walked before. But they'll be changed by the presence of God. I'm going to preach this lady over here, okay? You know what? I have people come to me all the time, at least three times a year, tell me, oh, you should have been at my house last night. I saw Jesus standing at the foot of my bed. I saw ten angels, and oh, they were singing. It's always something like that. That don't even excite me anymore. I said, well, we'll see. And if they ain't changed, they don't get on fire for God. I believe they're just dreaming and thought this way. Either that, they thought it'd be a good thing to say. Don't fall for all the garbage that's out there. If it don't line up with the Word of God, you don't need to be catching a hold of it. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Huh? We know the rain came. Israel was revived for a season. All we need is the church to be revived so that the gospel can go out to the world for a season. Because when this season is over, we didn't name our organization Fourth Watch for nothing. Fourth Watch is the last watch of the night before the new day starts. Huh? So you know what? We just need this last revival for a season. When that's over, Jesus is going to be coming. Coming after his. In the meantime, the church is going to have to decide how bad you want revival. Will you go to the brook and stay there all by your lonesome? Will you go stay with the widow woman and ain't got nothing? Most of us preachers say like, I ain't staying with her. She ain't got nothing in the first place, second place. I don't want people talking bad about my ministry. Most of the world's talking bad about our ministry anyway. Come on now, huh? They ain't got nothing good to say about us. So you don't have to worry about the world talking about you. Let them have their day. My Bible says no weapon formed against me can prosper. And every mouth that's open against me, he's going to shut it up. Huh? He'll prove them to be liars. He'll prove them to be wrong. My Bible says that God can do anything if he's got a willing person. Don't say it exactly like that, does it? It says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God stands with us, you can take cross it. But the junk's got to leave. The false prophets had to be destroyed according to the word of God. I believe if you count up right, you'll find out there was 900 people lost their lives that day Amen. at that revival. Wouldn't it be great? Y'all get this now. You don't pay attention. You'll miss it. Wouldn't it be great if we could report that 900 people lost their lives in revival? I'm not talking about dying and going to the grave. I'm talking about dying to the world and being resurrected in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Father God, this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you, God, this morning, that you take our bumbling and our fumbling and you cause it to be clear in the hearts and the minds of the people that's heard. I ask you this morning, God, to bring holy conviction to the hearts of those today who is slacking, who's been slack, who's not been doing as they should do. I ask you today, God, to bring holy conviction to their hearts. I ask you this morning, Jesus, for those Christians who are here that just need to be rekindled, need to be refilled by the Holy Spirit because we need to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit over and over again. So God, I ask you today to meet these needs. Refill those that need refilling. Forgive those today, God, that come confessing and then fill them with the power of the Holy Ghost. And if it's not today, let this message live in their hearts 
And someday they'll build an altar. And they'll surrender it all to you. That they can be used as an instrument to turn our nation around. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. How many of you here just get up and come down just to have a season of prayer? If you would, just come on down. Kneel. Talk to God about whatever your problems are, whatever your desires are. Just come on down and talk to him. He's here. I know he's here. He's here to help. He's not here to condemn. He's not here to hurt. He's here to help you. There may be things that you're wrestling with that no one else knows about except God. Just come and talk to him today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name.